Welcome to another exciting episode of What Are We Watching Tonight? <laughs> I'm your host, Alex. And I'm your host, Brooke. And it's been quite a while since we've recorded one of these. Uh, it's been a hot minute. Yeah. It was def- It was in the old apartment, for sure. Yeah. Well, that was the problem. So we moved about... <laughs> uh, when was it? In May. In it's May. It's November. Or now. no, it wasn't May. Yeah. It was March. It was May. March. No, we moved into this apartment in May. I remember because I had my PA job. All right, so we moved into I this new apartment in May. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it was during quarantine and just all the unpacking and stuff, and I don't know. This just kind of fell by the wayside. Right, and it we was kind of like, forgot about this. <laughs> yeah, it was just like low on our list of priorities. Yeah. But did I tell you that my aunt Kathy she texted me? And she asked me when we were going to put another episode out. Is this recently or that she uh, texted you? Or? Not that long ago, but uh-huh. she was asking. She's a fan. Yeah, we have, we have a couple Hi, fans. Hi, Kathy. <laughs> Hi, Aunt Kathy, who I haven't met yet, but I'm sure I will. But you're Facebook friends. So we're Facebook friends. So it's so fine. It's all good. Yeah. Anyway, so it's really nice to be. Well, we, didn't, you gotta, we didn't set the stage, though, with why we moved. We gotta explain. Oh, we moved because it was a better apartment, and that's why. Well, we okay. <laughs> well, previously we were in a one-bedroom apartment mm-hmm. that it was like a closet, and a, it was very small. Yes, and a two-bedroom apartment in our same building opened up, mm-hmm. so we swooped in and got the two-bedroom. We swooped. Yeah, we swooped it. So up. now we have the extra room, which we've, which we're sitting in now, that we've kind of our dedicated. beat laboratory, it's our beat laboratory, which we've dedicated to. We made it the office. Yeah. And so before when we were recording, we were recording in the living room in the one bedroom apartment and it was like really tight and we had put the microphones on like chairs and stuff and mm-hmm. it was super awkward. Now, now, now we're in nice office We got the chairs. office, we got nice chairs, we've got uh, so... microphone stands so we mm-hmm. can like just sit back and lounge and talk to each other face yeah. to face. So it's a much better setup that we got it's, now. It's uh, much better, more comfortable. Much more comfortable. Professional. Yeah. We're professionals now. Much more prof- pro- yeah. Yeah, professional. Yeah um what else so, is new what else i don't know yeah anything that's happened since we Moved uploaded in. our last episode i'm sure plenty but yeah nothing that we need to i mean we haven't watched too many movies since then because we're still in a lockdown no i would say that we've watched lots of well maybe not movies what do you I mean we've watched movies but nothing like first rate you know movies that are in the theaters because yeah. obviously nothing oh right out. right right yeah. right well everything we've like, watched has been like kind of netflix direct to netflix or but like the two episodes like before this it wasn't because it was like new stuff no we were still watching old stuff so right yeah. but we haven't watched anything new is what i'm saying yeah i would say the biggest thing did we start watching the sopranos in the old apartment I, or was that in this that apartment? was in this apartment yeah um, so we I haven't would, even started that by the way yeah we i would say that. that's uh up until uh, up until october we were spending most of our time watching sopranos so we really weren't watching like movies during the week we, honestly it's been sopranos up until about a month ago which i'm hoping i think once we're finished we'll probably do kind of like what we're going to do today We'll do kind of like a roundup, I think, of Sopranos or a two-parter or something like that, just to kind of t- 
talk about thoughts on it. Yeah, I think we had originally thought of like doing an episode of the podcast for like each show, but then that's like a whole different podcast. Yeah, that in is its own itself. podcast. That like it, it yeah. literally already is a podcast. So I yeah. think just including it because it is something that we were watching, just maybe doing something specifically about the finale and then just overall thoughts on like the seasons I think would be good. Yeah. Yeah. But instead to set the stage on that too, you have never I'm a huge fan of the show. Oh, right. You had never seen it before. I had never seen it before. So this is my first yeah. time watching it. Uh, all the way through yeah. or watching it at all, or watching really. it for the first time i've yeah. seen this is my second up until time watching, watching it. it with you i'd seen the pilot episode i think um because i like watched it in some sort of film class and uh yeah that's about it yeah so this is the because we just so we the other night we just started season six a so we're pretty much at the tail end of the show there's only right like there I think we just finished the third episode of season six. A there's only like is there only three episodes on the disc? That seems per like, disc. Yeah. Was it always like that? Sometimes there's four. Yeah. Oh. We're watching the Blu-ray version of it too. We're yeah. not watching it on HBO. Which I, I don't understand. That's a different conversation. Yeah. I don't understand why we do <laughs> okay. that. I bought the set on Black Friday several years ago, and it's just been collecting dust. I was like, I know, let's watch so the, now- the Blu-rays then. Let's watch the discs. <laughs> I own them. Let's... Especially because now, like, I have HBO Max. Like, Yeah, you can just watch it on, I HBO, can Max watch now, it on but HBO Max now. We're being purists here, okay? Mm-hmm, okay. But, but but it's not even like we watch it with commentary or anything. Or, or like, behind the... We've but watched the option none is there. of that. The we've option is none there. of that. All right. This anyway, is, this we're is... almost done with the show. There's only, like, 15 episodes left or something. So we'll yeah. probably anyway, do an episode on that. This all leads up to what we've been watching recently as of late as of late um so for october we decided we were going to watch scary movies yes horror movies yes not typically something i would choose but i said sure let's do it and alex what did we end up watching well so i'm not a i would call myself a a fan of horror but not a horror fan uh what does that mean i like certain (laughs) horror movies but i'm not like a crazy fan of the genre you know just outside of halloween time like i don't really watch horror movies on the reg okay anyway so any but that's what i was gonna lead into yes one of my favorite movies of all time is a horror movie it happens to be a horror movie and it's uh, a nightmare on elm street uh from 1984 mm-hmm. and i'm a huge fan of just the series in general which is weird because i'm not a horror fan but i love i'm just it's one of my favorite movie series of all time. So I thought it would be fun to watch all of the Nightmare on Elm fun. movies. All eight of them. So fun. Yes. So instead of it being like, watch a bunch of different horror movies, it ended up turning what into... What we did at the beginning of the month. I think we only watched like three. We watched Halloween. Three other movies. We watched the original <laughs> Halloween, which you hadn't seen. Mm-hmm. We watched Scream. Oh, right. I forgot about Scream. Um, what and else? We, we watched, watched Final we Destination. Watched the, we watched the first two Screams, actually. Yeah, we watched the first two Screams. We watched Final Destination. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then all eight Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Exactly. So, which started out as like an attempt to like watch a bunch of different ones, um, turned into just the Nightmare movies. Well, originally, we were just going to watch like the good ones, but then you were like... I might as well watch all of them. The reason I did that, though, was because when you were describing 
like all of them. It just got to the point where it was like, you wanted to watch all of them. I was like, well, I was going to watch all of them anyway. So. Yeah. So I was like, if he's already going to watch them, why not? I'll just be along for the ride. And so that's what we did. And yes. so that's what that is uh, today's episode. We are going to be talking about the Nightmare on Elm series. Yes. Yes. All I was going to say them. trilogy, but no, no. What's eight the films? Series. Is that octology? I have no idea. Yeah, we'll go with that. The Nightmare on Elm Street octology. Octology. And you may be asking those in the audience, what about the remake? And we're not going to be talking about that film. Well, they might have already thought that the remake was part of the No, this is the main line. This is a Nightmare on Elm Street through Freddy versus Jason, which in my eyes is the last movie in the series. (laughs) Sure. But hey, we'll get to that if you you stick around for the whole show. So, yeah. um, I would say... um, so going into this, I had already seen, yeah, and we have had already discussed many times. I'd seen the first one and the third one, and the third is kind of like the sequel to the first, which we'll get into. Yeah. But and we saw them last year in saw theaters. them last year yeah, in we theaters. Saw them on oh, film. Remember theaters? Yeah, remember going to the movie theaters? Um, so we had, so I had seen them before. We've ha- we've talked about them before, so that was nothing new. Um. But yeah, it was the first time watching. You had seen all of them. All of them. Yeah. All together. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's jump in. So uh, the first film, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, directed by Wes Craven in 1984. It's about a, a child murderer who stalks teenagers in their dreams, which I've always loved the concept of this movie. Um, I think the reason I'm a big fan of these movies, especially the first one, is because Freddy scared me so much as a kid. Mm-hmm. Like I was always, I wasn't afraid of Jason or Michael Myers or someone coming after me with like a you know machete wearing a hockey mask. I was afraid of Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Like really scared of Freddy Krueger. I feel like you and I had opposite reactions as like children. Like you were scared of like fantasy things, and mm. I was scared of like. Not that I had seen Halloween before, but that is what's more terrifying. Like you think to me. Halloween is a scary? Do you think Halloween is a scarier movie than the first Nightmare on Elm Street? Um, yeah, mm, I'm trying to compare my reaction to watching Halloween the first time to watching Nightmare the first time. I feel like Halloween was scarier to me um, because it seemed more plausible and realistic um and so i kind of remember jumping more at like things that Mm -hmm. was going on in halloween um than i did on nightmare because nightmare it has like it is genuinely terrifying like freddy is scary in the first one but i'll say that there's enough like kind of levity and kind of like ridiculousness because of like the low budget and um and because of the modern time in which I was watching it, that it was like enough to help me like get through the film and not be so wigged out by watching it. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I just think the Nightmare on Elm Street is just such an effective movie. Just the fact that they all the dream sequences are all practical effects. Everything was done cheaply. Right. In camera. Um, and I think even to this day, a lot of it is still... Uh, very effective like mm-hmm. to me nightmare on elm street there's like this sense of kind of like fear and dread throughout the whole film because we start the film the film opens with uh tina uh played by amanda wiss 
uh, her dream of... <laughs> you know her name. Of course I do. I'm a fan of this movie. Is she in anything else? She was in Fast Times at Ridgemont High. She oh, played, she was? She Who's plays she uh, Judge Reinhold's girlfriend that he breaks up with at the oh, beginning wow. of the movie. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I didn't know Other that. than that, I don't know what else she's I been in. Um, but we start the movie, basically, Freddie is after her, and then ultimately is after Nancy and the rest of the kids on Elm Street. Whereas like Halloween, that movie's like the first two acts of that movie is just kind of set up, you know, and the real but like edge of your seat stuff happens like Halloween night. It's still scary though because in, I mean, I don't want to get too far into it because this isn't like a comparison episode that we're doing, um, but I don't know. I would, the like stalking of like Jamie Lee Curtis's character and like all of her friends and stuff like that, that like builds up just like freaked me out mm-hmm. um like i understand like where you're coming from but i don't know it freaked me out yeah again because it felt too real like it felt right. too real to me maybe i still carry the fear maybe if you're watching a nightmare on the street for the first time as an adult you know that someone can't kill you in your dreams so there's there's always that kind of barrier between like this guy couldn't get me in real life but as a kid watching that, you know, believing that something that could sure. I, mean, I mean, I believed in sure. Santa Claus. I believed in the Easter Bunny. Like, <laughs> I believed in Freddy Krueger. Like, he could come after me and kill me in my sleep. So maybe I carry that through as an adult. Like, I still remember that fear I felt, you know, as a kid. And so watching the movies now, they are still hold up as scary Well, to me. we've, like, talked about this before. I think nostalgia, like, has a big sure just like impact no matter what because there are movies that i love that are probably objectively like terrible movies but because of the nostalgia of them like it just carries more weight and importance and yeah not that the first movie isn't like i really really like the first movie and i think it's a really good setup like franchise wise to do sequels and i think freddy is like scary and everything um so it's like oh it's a well-made film for its time and budget and practical effects and all of that. Um, but there is like a cheesy element because you're because I was watching it, you know, 2019, yeah. not when it first came out, 1984. 1984. 1984. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I wrote down a couple other things too. Well, you talk about like cheesy, like the acting. In that Reynolds. Oh well, this leads to one of the exceptionally. (laughs) But there's a charm. The movie has a charm to it for me. It has a charm. The only acting that's like really, really bad for me is her mom. I love her mom. No, no, no. I love her mom too. But that's like the only acting that's like really. You know, baby. I'm gonna stop drinking. (laughs) I just don't feel like it anymore. Oh my gosh. Alcoholic. Her drinking problem is just like hilarious. There's a scene where. it's after I think Tina is killed and everyone thinks it's like Tina's boyfriend and Nancy like gets up the next day. She's going to school and she's like having a conversation with her mom like in the kitchen in the morning. And her mom is just like pour like casually like pouring some gin like, into her coffee yeah. at like seven <laughs> o'clock in the morning. My favorite shot though is uh, it's later in the movie when Nancy's like trying to sneak out and she like cracks the door open and she sees her mom 
sneaking that same bottle of gin. Oh, she drinks the same bottle God. of gin throughout the whole movie. Yeah. But she's got the bottle hidden in the linen closet. Oh, my God. And it's like yeah. the, she pulls the bottle out, unscrews it, and takes a sip. It's so yeah. ridiculous. Uh, which leads, it's funny mentioning that, like her mom being a cheesy actor, and yet it's her mom who's the one that um, like tells Nancy like the why like Freddie exists in this like evil form so like it starts with you know nobody believes nancy and what's going on and then it gets to the point where they like how does she oh like she knows like freddie's name and so she says the name to her mom and her mom's like That's yeah because when she go when they go to the dream clinic and Nancy pulls the hat out oh, of the dream. Oh, it has the name in inside it. Inside the That's hat, what, it says Fred Krueger, yeah. Okay. They Fred Krueger, mom. Fred Krueger. <laughs> they choose. Mother. <laughs> they choose that actress to deliver the um, most important, well, not most important. <laughs> well, it's the most like, important kind of exposition it's in the, the film. Yeah, most it's like, important okay, this is exposition. This, character this is. is where this character yeah. comes from. And um, it's already kind of like a weird premise. Like basically the parents of this town like cornered this child murderer who was let got out. Got off on a technicality. Yeah, who got off on a someone technicality. Someone didn't sign a search warrant in Don't the Don't right know place. how that works. <laughs> well, she, yeah, she says someone didn't sign a search warrant in the right place and he was let go. Yeah. So he is let go and then they somehow like corner him and then set him on fire which just seems like they're like <laughs> I don't like there's just this group of like parents and like no yeah. one like everyone just looked the other way and, yeah. and that story didn't get around like anywhere like oh. I don't know so that like premise in itself is like kind of a hokey part of the movie although I'm willing to like overlook it but it's a hokey part of the movie and it's like the worst actress in the whole movie that's like delivering that news to the to Nancy in the audience which i think is kind of hilarious still though i i, I feel like i wouldn't recast the mom i feel like that's part of the charm of the movie is the bad, bad acting, acting is yeah. part of the charm especially let's not forget uh this was johnny depp's very first role oh of course and he is awful in this movie i don't think he's he, awful he's monotone throughout the whole film i don't think he's awful yeah i th- he's part of the charm for me because <laughs> no he's part of the charm exactly uh but you could tell he had, like in real life he had this was his first on-screen role I feel he had like never the even mom acted is like even more oh she's the worst she's the worst yeah. because like johnny depp i feel like he's just playing a dude like who he was in real life at the time sure whereas this woman i don't she's like i'm an alcoholic and like you know baby i'm not gonna drink anymore i just don't feel like it anymore which her poor mom dies at the end yes she gets dragged through the window Mm. and it's like a blow-up doll yes like not just it looks like one of those like sex blow-up dolls yes exactly with like a wig because originally they had shot multiple endings because uh Bob Shea, who produced the movie and went on to produce all the other movies, he wanted mm-hmm. to keep making sequels. He saw that this was like a prime premise to which do. Which he was right. Which he was right. But Wes Craven didn't want to do any more movies. He only wanted, he was just like one and done. Mm-hmm. This is the movie and I'm done. So they shot multiple different endings, basically. One where they drove off at the end. Another one where Freddie well, was actually. It's, it's set up the ending. Where Freddie was actually driving the car. Um, and then they basically merged the two endings together and ended up with the ending that's in the movie. Uh, 
so like explain explain that what leads to that end ending though yeah like, so so basically they get it's like the next morning or whatever uh everyone's alive again so rod tina glenn and the and her mom is alive too right but like nancy so nancy like the whole point is like nancy's like oh i can pull him into my dream and she's like i'm gonna pull him into my dream or pull him out or pull him out of my dream i guess that's what she's gonna do and then like johnny depp her boyfriend is like things only have power if you really believe in them and so he like comes out of the dream and she like turns her back and she's like i don't believe in you anymore and then poof leads to what you're describing she opens the door and then she steps out yeah yeah which again the way like with the fog and everything it seems like it's we're in another dream mm-hmm. um so anyway her mom you know wishes her well off to school mm-hmm. and they get in the car and the convertible top comes down and it's red and green like freddie's sweater mm-hmm. and the doors lock and nancy's screaming help help and her mom is just waving Mm-hmm. And the car drives off, and you see um, the girls jumping rope, doing the nursery rhyme. Right. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. And then the mom is just smiling and waving, and then all of a sudden, Freddy's hand comes through the window and mm-hmm. pulls her through the window. Which, I gotta say, I'm not, like, a big fan of the ending, which that's what you were talking about yes. in terms of, like, the shooting the different ones and seeing what worked. I love, what I do love about it is that I love that it's like she thinks that she's taking care of him and like he's gone, but it's kind of like this big like joke. So I I love that aspect. I love the like you think you're free and then something happens and you're not. Although I don't really like how it's done in a way that it's it feels like it's supposed to be another dream. Right, because it's more sequels. Well, no, no. I you can still have more sequels, but not do like a dream sequence like yeah i wish he had just like because like i think he like disappears in like a puff of smoke or something and i wish he would have just like yeah it would have been like a normal day and he just like reappear i don't know so maybe you like the ending where he's driving the car yeah that was the other ending i guess maybe maybe something like that That probably worked better than her getting the mom getting pulled through the window yeah i I wasn't but again it's the charm because like because again watching that i'm like she's already dead so no matter what happens She's already dead. Right. Like, so shouldn't even be there. <laughs> uh, all right. Any other takeaways from the first night Reynolds? Right no, I think that's a good recap. Things you liked. Anything that Things that I really... liked. I just really liked, the, like, I really, Heather. Uh, Langenkamp. Yeah, I always plays Nancy. Yeah, I think she's great. And, like, all the characters, it's a good premise. It sets it up for the franchise, so I appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Yes. All right. Moving on. Yes. <laughs> moving forward one year to 1985. <laughs> Wes Craven was like, I'm done with the series. I'm out. And Bob Shandyline was like, we need to make more movies. <laughs> Let's get another one of these written ASAP. Yeah. So uh, just the following year, literally a year later, we got... Uh, a Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge. Question: Did yes. 
Wes Craven always just wanted to be like a one-off. Was yeah. that like it was always okay. just a one-off? That was like that's always, how it, that's always his, his intention. His other movies were always one-offs. The other, the only other movie he did a sequel to was uh, The Hills Have Eyes. Mm-hmm. He directed The Hills Have Eyes Part Two, and he, I believe he had just a terrible time doing it, and was just like, "I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to do sequels." So it was never the intention, but it was because he had sold. Right. But what the, happened was uh, when he was trying to get the, the first Nightmare on Elm Street made. He, there was, no one in town wanted to make the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, people, like most producers, they didn't think the idea was scary. Um, there was also another movie that had come out around the same time. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's called, I believe it's called Dreamscape. No. And it stars Dennis Quaid and uh, Kate Capshaw from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. <laughs> and it's basically a movie about going into dreams. And I've never seen it. But, but it's not a horror movie. It's not a horror movie, but it bombed at the box office. Okay. So the the basically the the feeling at the time was like, like dreams are no go. No one wants to see movies about <laughs> dreams. No one's going to believe that. And the only person that saw really the um the how great the premise really was the was the potential. That's what I was looking for. <laughs> uh, was Robert Shea at at New Line Cinema, mm-hmm. which at the time New Line Cinema they had, they were just like a distribution company. They had. Uh, one of the ones they're most famous for distributing was Reefer Madness. It's an anti-marijuana propaganda film about how if you smoke marijuana, you will die. And um, so they put that out. And then they were also famous for putting out uh, a lot of John Waters films. Do you know who John Waters is? No. Uh, Pink Flamingos, uh, no. Cry Baby. No. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> moving on from that. Maybe those will be the next. Maybe those will be the next ones. Um but uh, basically, Nightmare on Elm Street was the movie that kind of saved the, the, them as a studio and kind of put them on the map, and that's how they basically became big. So if it wasn't for Nightmare on Elm Street, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have gotten like the Lord of the Rings movies or they did New those. New Line Cinema did that? New Line Cinema did oh, that. Wow. Yeah. The Austin Powers movies are New Line Cinema. I knew that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, anyway, so moving on to 1985, yes. uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part Two: Freddy's Revenge. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... The premise of this one is a new kid named Jesse uh, moves into Nancy's house on 1428 Elm Street. And it's supposed to take place five years after the original film. Does it say that? They do say at one point it was like five years ago. Uh, Because I think they say, why was this house on the market for five years? Oh, I think I might have missed that. Yeah. And so basically, Freddy is haunting this new kid, Jesse. But there's a slight twist with this movie. And the fact that instead of uh, Freddy haunting the kids in their dreams, he's really just haunting Jesse in turn so he can possess Jesse and use Jesse as kind of like a conduit to do all of his killing in real life. So this movie is pretty controversial with most fans of the series because it kind of breaks the rules of the dream world that are set up in the first film. And it also is <laughs> famous for the fact uh, that it has many homosexual undertones. I'm just like dying to like get into this film. Yeah, this is all of to. the ones we watched. It seemed like this was the one that most fascinated you. Yes. Which uh, most fans of the series consider this like one of the worst ones. Of the I series. wouldn't. Uh, it's so funny because before we started it, my expectations were a super low, and b you had warned me. You were like, "Yeah, this is like one of the worst ones." in like the franchise and so i was really nervous not nervous i was just like eh, going into it i am fascinated by this film <laughs> this film like is perfect 
like maybe it's already discussed in film courses, but I think it's like the perfect film to discuss in like a film theory. And I wouldn't say it's like my favorite of the franchise, but it's it's up there. Like it's a fascinating movie to dissect. Yes, it's yeah. fascinating to dissect, and I just like it left me with like more questions than than like any of the other films, and not questions in a like that's dumb sort of way. Questions in a just like oh like wonder like controversial things and theories and stuff like that and i want to say i don't think that it breaks the rules by having him possessed because i feel like the big thing with like freddy in in the dreams and i guess maybe you don't really like see this aspect until the third one which i don't know if the second one then influenced the way that they did the third but like for example i'm jumping ahead a little bit in the third movie like whenever the kids in it are being like haunted in their dreams the real world still sees them like moving around like walking doing different things so it's still a form of possession even though it's all like contained in a dream and so that's why i don't really think it breaks any rules because yes he's being possessed but but he's acting out what's happening i don't know i don't find it that i don't find it that much of a stretch i think the rule that it breaks is that freddie doesn't do any of the kills in the dreams like that's what's established in the first film like if you fall asleep Freddy will haunt you in your dream and kill you in your sleep. But they don't do that in, in Elm Street 2. Basically, Freddy possesses Jesse, and Jesse is, like, doing the killings himself. I I wonder if it's because, um, like, the thing that they kind of talk about in the later films is, like, the idea of, like, stretching Freddy's, like, ability to like go into other like neighborhoods and like, go into other kids dreams and like stuff like that and so i'm wondering if maybe that's what it's doing because it's supposed to be five years later and like freddie is like has chosen jesse or whatever for whatever reason because he's in nancy's house um yeah maybe my theory is that i guess it's just to extend his reach in the world my theory is that the writers <laughs> probably saw the first movie once and were given this character and were like, go write something. Probably with that this too. Character probably of that Freddy too. Krueger. But like really what we're missing is the homosexual uh, the homoerotic undertones. Yeah. Because that's really what they're trying to do with like Freddy possessing yeah. Jesse. Yeah. Um, Which the writer of the film uh, David Chaskin has actually admitted that's what, yeah. he was, what he was doing when he wrote it. Was he basically like, hope nobody noticed? <laughs> basically, I I believe the director, Jack Shoulder, didn't even know. He had no clue. Yeah. Um, that's that just they, This was that they were, what they were doing. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I mean, I didn't pick up, the first time I saw the movie, I didn't really pick up on it. It kind of went over my head. Oh, man. But then you watch it again. You watch like, Whoa, it. Whoa. This movie. <laughs> like all, something inside of me, Grady. Yeah, like him and like the guy friend that he has. Grady. Yeah. yeah, he's like in love with Grady. It's really, really obvious just like the way that he's like totally fixated on Grady's like attention and stuff like that. And then um, the whole like gym teacher 
character. Who's also into like S&M. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And like that whole thing, like he um, pick like the gym teacher picks on weak kids because he's like recognizing the like his own insecurities within himself. Yeah. And that's like why Jesse like kills him is because right. he like picks on him and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. I, I just find it fascinating. Yeah. I, yeah. But what my, um my theory though, so there's a scene in the movie where he's possessed. He's at this pool party with this like girl he likes. It's like his girlfriend or whatever. And Lisa, Lisa, um and they're um all of a sudden it's like like freddie like tears like the way that you're seeing it is like freddie tears like jesse skin off basically oh when he comes out of jesse yeah yeah that's a great scene so that's to me is the only like really cool dream scene in the whole movie is when freddie is comes out of Jesse and like his face is like pushing through Jesse's chest mm-hmm. and he like cuts himself open and and, Je- and Freddie just comes out of like the I think gay that's persona the cool- is like yes. <laughs> yeah I'm here <laughs> um, I think that's the coolest effect in the, um, in the movie my theory when they're out the pool scene and it's like Freddie like killing all of these kids and stuff I don't think the kids see Freddie I think they see Jesse you think they see Jesse yes yeah. I think. And again, this has to do with the possession. But we as the audience see Freddy. We as the audience see Freddy. And I do think that Lisa might see Freddy. Mm, does she? I think they all see know. Freddy. No, That's I... That's what I think. I think that they see Jesse. Like, again, with my theory of, like, possession slash, slash, like, the dreamscape slash kind of what happens when you... With, like, the third movie. Like, how people from the outside, they just see the person like well even in the first movie you can like see something's happening to the person but it doesn't look like anything right my theory is that jesse because he's supposed to be possessed like that's like the whole thing i think all the kids see jesse as the one who's like killing everyone because there's a part where like a kid like goes up to him like really really slowly and it's like hey man like you don't have to do this. Why would anyone do that to like somebody who Help looks yourself, like- fucker? <laughs> <laughs> why would anyone do that to somebody who looks like Freddy? Okay. Like why? <laughs> this is my argument though. Freddy kills with his claws. And in this one, which is weird, he has like finger claw like his knives are actually his fingers, whereas like in all the other movies he actually has the glove. Uh-huh. How if you're if this is your theory that Jesse if they see Jesse, how is he killing one well, I guess he's got Freddy's glove, right? Yeah. He has Freddy's glove. But we see Freddy with the claws coming out of just his fingers. I don't, I can't account for that choice, but Jesse, Jesse has Freddy's Because like he's just seeing the, like the kid you were saying, like asking if he needs help. Like this is just like a really burned guy. Like maybe mm, he needs help. I don't know. He's like terrifying. And if I was a person in that situation, I would not be doing that. So that's my theory uh so that's kind of what it, that rounds everything up i'm fascinated with that question okay. and that scene then let me, I, I gotta press you further on this though okay great <laughs> later on in, in, the, in the conclusion of the film uh when like all of like when jesse comes back and like all like the freddy face melts off of him mm-hmm. then it's jesse again yeah so it was freddy I think no. Freddy's body came out of the dream no. world. No. Yes. I don't think and so. And fully took over Jesse 
where he became Freddy. I don't think so. Yeah. I think he accessed That's what I think. I think he accessed Jesse like through his dreams and then was able to just maintain possession of him. Um and no, I think Jesse became And I think Freddy. the end scene with that like cuz oh, that's the other thing when they get in on the bus at the end of the movie, I'm pretty sure like all of the kids like look at him weird. That's like, a dream though. At the end of the movie. Yeah, I don't know. I'm still convinced that it's <laughs> that it's they're all seeing Jesse doing it in like mm. the name of Freddy. That is my theory. Also, that leads me to say that's like the lamest like get rid of Freddy thing is like her love like melted Freddy away. Oh yeah. That's the worst part of I that movie. I love you, Jesse. I love you. Which she does come back, obviously, because of that yeah. last dream, but like, oh, that was so I hate I did that was one thing about the movie that I did. We got really, eighty minutes really here. We gotta <laughs> We've got to get rid of him here yeah. so we can uh, set up the premise I, for the next I movie. I get it, but yeah, that was the worst part. But <laughs> everything else about the movie, I find fascinating. I like it. To me, I still think it breaks the rules of the first movie, but I like it. I, I, think, I it, think it's a good movie. I think it breaks the rules a little bit, but I think it falls in line much closer than you think, especially if we're going off of my theory that it's everyone seeing Jesse, not Freddy. Sure Next movie. <laughs> well, before we go on to though, I will say that at least Freddy's Revenge... I don't know how you feel. I still think it's a scary movie. I, I think, I think Freddy in it is very creepy. He's yeah. got like the creepy eyes. and um, So it still has that going for it. And mm-hmm. it, he's not super jokey in it, kind of yeah. like he is with in the later films. That's And maybe that's part of, Sorry. Uh, I feel like a burp, maybe. Yeah, it's okay. You can burp. Okay, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's part of it, too, which is why I like it, is that... I feel like it is still scary and even though it doesn't have as many maybe like cool kills in it as like some of the other films and some of the other dreams in the other films, I think it's like still like you're saying, Freddy's still like really kind of creepy in it and like that like scene that you were talking about with like Freddy like coming out of his skin, that's fucking disgusting and yeah. So, so I think I think maybe that's part of it too why I like it. And yeah, other don't than mind it as much. Other than that scene, there really is no. I, I think most fans rank these movies. Part of it is like in the kills and the nightmares. Mm-hmm. And other than that scene where Freddy comes out of Jesse, the most of the kills are. There's not even that many kills in the movie, and there's right. not really too many n- nightmare sequences. So, and I Especially think that not- I think that's why the movie when it first came out, people didn't kind of react to it quite the same as they did the first one yeah. because it didn't quite deliver on the the kills and the nightmares which the the next film in the series certainly does yeah i get it the only like real kill that like means anything to anyone is grady yeah his love yeah his love yeah <laughs> yeah it's uh lisa's heterosexual love that melds freddie away yes, yes. <laughs> uh all right moving on moving on to uh now two years later well, actually, more like a year and a half because it came out in February because the first two movies came out in, in November of their respective years. But in February of 1987, we were graced with A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Dream Warriors. We don't want to dream no more. We're the Dream Warriors. And maybe tonight, maybe tonight, here we go. So that song, written for the movie, plays in the credits, and Alex watched the credits all the way through to listen to the movie, and then immediately afterward 
put on the music video for that song. Yes. For those who don't, who are out of the loop on this one, uh, Dawkin, one of the great 80s hair metal bands, sang the theme song to Nightmare on Elm Street 3, titled Dream Warriors. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's an amazing song if if you haven't listened to it. But uh, yeah, so Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Uh, This one is very interesting because not only uh, did Wes Craven come back um, to write the story on this film, but Heather Langenkamp returned to play Nancy one more time. Love once her. again, I won't say one more time, but once again. Uh, so this one, see, this to me is what probably the second movie should have been in the first place. A hundred percent. So this one takes place uh, in a, um, a youth mental hospital, Weston Hills, and it follows a group of teenagers led by uh, Kristen, who's played by Patricia Arquette. And I believe it's, I don't know if it's her first movie, but it's definitely like one of her first roles. And she's fantastic. And she's great in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we open with her and she's having dreams of Freddie and she ends up in this uh, mental institute with other teenagers who are also having similar dreams of uh, this guy wearing a red and green sweater and, uh, you know, a messed up hat with a <laughs> knife, claw, whatever thing that he has. Uh, and then so Nancy, who we find out is, what is she supposed to be in the movie? She's like a grad student. Right. Um, who like studies dreams. Like right. She's devoted her yeah, it's like life a, to this. A form of psychology. And obviously because of her history, she specializes in dreams. Um, and so she's doing some sort of like uh what's the word for it like internship mentorship thing at this mental hospital yeah yeah so she comes to this mental hospital obviously she believes all the kids but the staff there they don't they think it's just uh what does the the main doctor say it's just uh sex drugs and rock and roll yeah something like the older woman the older woman who's like this is just a symptom of your bad lifestyles or your (laughs) sinful lifestyles and stuff oh it's like she's like you have to admit like what you're doing wrong that's like causing causing these dreams yeah yeah but obviously we know that it's really freddy who's hunting these kids down uh so yeah this one has great nightmares great kills and then this is the first one where freddy started where he basically got the gift of gab and started with the one-liners uh, <laughs> this is what because he even in the first two movies he's very like he kind of teases and he still he's got some like, one-liners yeah. especially in the first one but this is the one where it's like punchline like yes set up punchline <laughs> with the jokes uh for example one of the kills uh, when he kills, um, I think it's Jennifer, mm-hmm. uh, where he kills her with the TV. Yes. And he comes out of the TV, welcome to prime time, bitch, and <laughs> puts her head in the TV. Uh, so this is like the first one where you're like rooting for almost Freddy. Like you want to see. I can never root like for you're, Freddy. You're rooting for the kids, but it's it's still exciting to see Freddy, mm-hmm. you know, show up and knock one of them off. I would say that will, that's what part of what made this. I mean, this movie's still a little freaky just with its, like, effects. It's still, and... I think it's still, like, a scary movie. Yeah, yeah, but I would say because of, like, the one-liners and stuff, it def first time watching, uh, the first one scared me, I think, a lot more than the third one yeah. did. Because of, like, Freddy's, like, goofy kind of energy. Right. But he's not a total goober in this one like he is in some of the later movies, but he's still, like, he's still very, like, threatening and lethal, but he also hits you with those one-liners before he kills yeah. you i will say though some of like some of the dreams are like kind of scary but like 
So part of what happens in this film is that the kids realize that they have like dream powers. Right. So that that's basically what they Kristen it has the ability to pull people into, into her, her dreams. Mm-hmm. And then they find out that each kid has a dream power, hence making them the dream warriors. Yes, which I personally find a little hokey, but the movie like all the characters are so great that it's like I'm like okay kind of like I just kind of get on board with it although I find the dream powers to be hokey well I think they had to do the dream powers I feel like it was the next logical step in the story because you had to kind of give the kids a way to fight back at Freddy you know because they're just totally helpless basically to whatever Freddy you know kills them in the dreams or whatever even in the first one like they're all pretty helpless i I feel like they don't keep up with that though like by the like you still have to be smart in your dream yeah you can't just have the the powers you still have to have your wits about you and know how to defeat freddy but like the way that they go about explaining it i wish it would have just been like you're in a dream so you can create whatever you want i wish it would have just been as simple as that but making it to be like individual powers for like individual people that's what's hokey about it not the fact that people can like dream up whatever they need in order to fight back but still being smart about it i think it's because it's supposed to be like specific things well they all all their powers relate to them specifically like kincaid who's is super strong that's his thing uh will who's who's you know bound in the wheelchair who can't walk you know, he becomes the wizard master and he's able to, you yeah, know, stand. Yeah, that doesn't have to do with, like, sure, yeah, well, he it, can it, stand, It, it but... connects to their personalities. No, it connects to it, but I wish the explanation was not, oh, Kristen has a power. What are your powers? We need to discover our powers. Like, nah, the way that it's, it's described, it's a little hokey, but I kind of just, like, move on past it because it's like you're saying all the like kids in it are really good sure and like sure it does connect to like whatever their issue is um but yeah i i find it a little little hokey yeah if you're going along with the premise of these movies that a man can haunt and kill you in your dreams i think you got to be on board with the dream warriors uh but like but, like, that's what the whole franchise is set up to be. So, like, of course I have to get on board with that in order to, like, watch them. But this is, like, something that's been added into a third movie that's, like. See, I don't get, because to me the Dream Warrior stuff makes more sense than Jesse being possessed in the second I movie. I don't think so. But that that worked for you, the second movie, in terms of but Jesse. But, like, the thing, the dreams and possession are, like, one and the same, though. Not really. Like, you know how, like, you know, there's, like, a scene in the third movie where it's, like, it's so gross. They, Freddy, like, takes, like, the veins and, like, ligaments and stuff. And it's, like, using, I forget who it was, but, like, is using them as, like, a puppet. It's like like a marionette. Yeah, Yeah. with their, like, the muscles and stuff. So when she comes out of the hallway and that is happening, people can see her. Freddy is in her dream having control over her body in that situation. And people just see her. You mean him? Whoever is the one that he was I doing that to. Name. I forget the guy. Yeah. I forget which kid yeah. it was. But if you like buy that, 
then the possession is like the same thing. Okay, so to counter your argument, though, that's not a rule that is established in the first movie. Because in the first movie, like in Tina's death, she goes out into the alley and finds Freddy. But in the real world, she's still in the room. Or later in the movie, when when Nancy falls asleep in the classroom and walks down into the boiler room she wakes up she's back she's still in the classroom she's still in her seat i will say so that idea of of basically like sleepwalking within the dream isn't established until later you're right that is something that like only you really see in the third one and probably in the later movies i actually now that we're talking about it i feel like there was a point in like one of the other movies where we like looked at each other and i was like wait why aren't they like Moving, I'm confused. To me, uh, the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, especially later ones, are kind of all over the place. And I feel like they kind of just do whatever makes sense within the context of the scene. Because like, there's a scene in Freddy or in Freddy's Dead, the Final Nightmare, which is the sixth movie, where like one of the characters is like walking up fake stairs because he's walking upstairs in his dream. That exactly was. So I feel like sometimes they just do whatever they feel like in the moment. Yeah, that was the scene actually that I turned to you and I was like, "Yeah." <laughs> so it's hard to have like the established rules. All right, so you kind of have to fine. look at it from if you're judging the third one, you can only judge it based on the other two movies that came before it. Fine, I guess that's <laughs> right. I guess that's. But again, it's well, a dream. This, Anything can but, happen in a dream. I mean, retros- in retrospect, then the second one does make sense by the third. Sort of. I guess so. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, so what else? Uh, Nancy comes back. Uh, what else? Oh. I will say that of all the movies, this was my favorite. Not favorite, but it made the most sense in terms of like way to get rid of Freddy. No, so, definitely. So like the whole thing was that to like. To me, this could have been the last one. Like they could have just killed have. Freddy it this It could one. have, yeah. It could have just been a two movie thing. This The way that they ended is that Freddy was a real person who was burned and is his like evil spirit lives in the dream world so what they do in this film is like oh the way to combat that is to bury the bones in like a holy place this is given by like a ghost <laughs> this information this this is a weird part it's of the by film. uh amanda kruger freddie's yeah. mom freddie's mom who's a nun who's a- who was raped by a hundred maniacs and that's how freddie was yeah this is the first movie that kind of establishes <sighs> this kind of the history this of series is fucking dark like in terms of the backstory every time that like it goes into those details it just makes me cringe (laughs) anyway um so yes which why that doctor is the only person who can see the ghost i don't understand but whatever i'll leave it alone he's not dreaming he's always no he's awake though he does dream at one point when they all go in the in the dream together he is dreaming in that scene yes but But freddy still doesn't haunt him no i think it has to do with him being an adult who wasn't previously Like, Freddie's not interested in adults. He's no. interested in kids or... And specifically Or kids. the adults that are surrounding the kids. Yeah. And specifically the kids. Specifically the kids that his, whose parents killed him. Right. Yeah. Which, do they make clear in this movie that all the kids were supposed to grow up on Elm Street? I feel like they don't do that. It's never explained. Yeah. But they, like, make up that that's what it is, like, in the later films, that yeah. it's just those kids in that, like, right. area and neighborhood. Right. But... Well, I guess if you were... If you I were... Digress. If your parents... <laughs> were the parents that like lynched right they don't make that clear but then they like in the next movie after this they kind of talk about that 
But what I was saying was that um, this is like the most believable way to get rid of Freddy, in my opinion, of all the movies, is what they do is they take his bones and they like dig up a grave. Well, we can't forget to mention that Nancy's dad. Uh, Lieutenant Thompson, played by John Saxon, oh, yes. comes back. He's he in this comes one back. Too. Yeah. He's great. He's a drunk now. Yes. He comes back. The whole family's a drunk. The mom's <laughs> drunk. The dad's a drunk. Well, mom's dead, but no. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then they put all the like bones in, all the holy water. Yeah. Boom, bang. They find Freddy's bones. Yeah. yeah. So that was like the most believable of like all ways, the ways to kill to get rid him. of him. Yeah. But sad part. Nancy dies at the end Nancy of this movie. Nancy dies at the end of this one. I remember watching it the first time and like turning to you and being like, there's no way. I was like, they can't kill Nancy. Yeah. Like, To me, like, I mean, it make, obviously makes sense within like the story to kill Nancy, but I just love her character. I know. But I, I mean, to me, it, it is a little kind of anticlimactic for her too because it's like yeah. she survives the first movie. She survives the most of the third movie and then Freddy just like kills her so easily yeah i kind of wish she had gone out in a more spectacular fashion i i think that's what it was for me too i wish you yeah i wish it would have been a little more of a fight right like she was part of that but yeah both her and her dad die at the end of the movie that seems to be the thing in these movies that the, the last survive the last girl from the last movie gets killed in a dumb way in the next movie well i wasn't gonna say the dumb part but i was gonna say that seems to be kind of like the pattern that they do except for the second one because that's an anomaly of just something else but in each of the movies that like lead into the next it's kind of like you know you brought it up that it's like when you start the movie it's really tina's dream and then it cuts to nancy being the main character that's kind of what happens in all of them like the third movie it's um Kristen. Yeah. Well it's, it starts with and, Kristen, but it almost becomes Nancy's movie. Yeah, it's like, like it's a little bit main. of a shared yeah. lead, and yeah. then Nancy dies and Kristen leads into the next one, and then spoiler alert, Kristen dies in the next one. Yeah. Um so it's kind of like this constant like passing the torch almost of right. like a final girl, which I kind of like that format, but I don't like it in the next one. No. So I guess that's our, our segue into one of my favorite <sighs> films in this franchise. How can... Which I, is, it's also a, a fan favorite too. Most people consider Number four is a best. fan favorite? It is, yeah. That is just like mind-boggling to me. Yeah. So uh, moving forward, uh, one one year later, 1988, this we got... exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> we got A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master. Oh, God. So this one is about basically uh, Kristen, Kincaid, and Joey, who were the last three survivors from Dream Warriors. They're now back to living their normal lives, going to Springwood High. You know, Freddy's dead, uh, and they've made a bunch of new friends. And but uh, of course, Freddy has to come back, and so he starts haunting the kids again. Uh, and they bring him back to life in one of the most amazing. Oh ways yeah. Possible. By Kincaid has a dream of uh, where they buried Freddy, like in the junkyard, and his dog pees on Freddy's grave, and it lights on fire, and Freddy just comes back to life. It's like, okay, Freddy's back to life again. He's, you know. Part of why I don't like this You shouldn't movie. have buried me. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so Freddy's back, and of course, in the first half hour, he knocks off Joey, Kincaid, and Kristen. Yeah. So it was almost uh, like, well, then why do we care about these fil- people from the last movie? I wouldn't say it's in the first half first hour. Well, Joey and Kincaid die quickly 
but then yes. uh, Kristen, who was recast, who is played, because I, I, I guess can't. I guess Patricia Arquette, uh, the story is supposed to be she was pregnant at the time, so she couldn't shoot it. But honestly, it was probably because her career was starting to take off, and she's like, I'm not going to do any more of these silly dream movies. Uh, so she was recast by uh, one of the most famous actresses of our time, uh, Tuesday Night. She's being facetious. Who, if you haven't heard of, uh, you, it's probably because she was in nothing else, really. I can't think of anything else. Oh, my else God. Just like right away when the movie opens with her, I'm like, wow, this girl is terrible. Well, she's nothing like Patricia Arquette. Exactly. She's, not, she's literally just Kristen in name only. Yeah. It took like... That's that was part of my problem with this film is because she takes me out of the film so fast that like I can't focus on anything else except how terrible she is. Do you think it would have worked more for you if Patricia Arquette had come back and yes. played the character again? I think yeah. I would have given the movie a lot more slack if Patricia Arquette came back because she was so like compelling. Yeah. Like her character's just like really great. Um what are you doing, Peanut? I think someone wants to eat. I think somebody wants to eat. What time is eat. it? Oh, yeah. Someone does want to eat. Yeah. We've gone for almost an hour. Do we? Like, I feel like we, we could do. we break this up and do four through eight for the next one? Yeah, I think we could do four through eight. That'd probably be a good M- way Maybe to we should, because we're at 58 minutes now. Should we wrap up four? Um. Because I feel like we're on a roll. We're like into four. I know, I but he's going to pace, I think. Yeah. Where? All right, I guess we could do. Well, we've done three, four, five, six, seven. Why don't we do this? Uh, we'll just like do an edit here, and yeah. we'll I'll feed him real quick, and then we'll do four, and then we'll quit. Okay. How's that sound? Okay. Uh, I feel like it's gonna be hard to do an edit though here. All right, we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what were we talking about? Dream I, Master. Oh, I was just gonna say maybe we need to listen last part of what. No, nah, that's okay. So what are your problems with the movie? <laughs> you got a lot, I got a lot of problems with you people. Oh, my gosh. Um, yeah, so I think if Patricia Arquette had been, like, reprised her role, I feel like it would have been a little bit easier to swallow this movie. Okay. But, like you were saying, and like what we were talking about with the other ones, this pattern of, like, the last final girl from the previous film dying to make way for the new one. What's wrong with that in this movie is that they, I feel like they wait too long to kill her. Okay. I wish that um, just like very early on. Like like the first movie where they basically killed Tina in the first. Yeah. I wish it was something like that. Like 20 minutes. I wish they would have done it. Um, because it goes on i think it goes past like a half hour maybe i'm wrong i don't know but it feels it feels like two separate movies like you feel like you're focusing and wrapped up in this happening to Kristen and her friends who are really great characters all over again and then you're supposed to care about this other girl that comes into the film who is super lame. <laughs> <laughs> Alice. Alice. Um, okay. So I think my argument with killing Kristen off later in the film, like, so Psycho, have you seen Psycho? No. Okay, well, you know <laughs> the shower scene. Like, yes. Janet Lee. So yes. Janet Lee is like the main character for like the first like 45 minutes of that movie. Yeah. And then we kill her. 
uh, or Hitchcock kills her. I think that could have worked in this movie, but I think the problem is Tuesday night as Kristen is just a really uncompelling character. Like her only character is basically like, Freddie's back, uh, Freddie's back, and and he's back. And... That's why she needs to yeah, die right that's away. That's why she should have died. That's why they should have killed her in the first fifteen minutes. But even if it was Patricia Arquette, I would, I would still say that she would need to die earlier. Earlier. Plus, I feel like her relationship with Alice should have been like stronger. Like their connection should have been stronger in some way. Because it's just so Alice, who's the actual main character in this film, in this film. she is uh, Kristen's boyfriend's sister. Right. And she's like, they're friends, but I, I don't know. I just like. It's almost like she's too busy with like her nightmares again that she can't like there's like no connection going on there right. because she's so focused on her other stuff. Right. Uh so I wish I don't know. I like I can't say what I would do differently, but I just I would have like totally re- reworked that All opening the of the movie. Yeah. Just be like made the connection stronger made alice like a little bit more compelling so that when she finally does take over as the lead right it's well she's the dream she's the dream master yeah so the premise is basically once all her friends get killed she acquires all their dream warrior powers (laughs) like (laughs) again it makes sense for the progression of the story (laughs) especially with the third one i like get that where it's like this all goes back to like my thing of like i wish it would have been just as it simple as you like you can have whatever you want in your dreams because it is your imagination it drives me crazy this whole dream powers i'm absorbing your powers now like it's just hokey like it's just hokey it's getting and it's the problem with the sequels as they go on to me what makes horror effective is the unknown and i think mm-hmm. that's why for me the first film is so effective Minus like all the the stuff with her mom, Nancy's mom explaining like how Freddie died and mm-hmm. stuff. That whole movie, you don't know who Freddie is. He is just they don't even know who that his name is Freddie. Mm-hmm. He's just this 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 creature that is that is haunting them in their dreams, and they have this shared dream of this this person, this scarred person with this sweater and a glove. And I think that's what makes the first movie so scary. But I think. The problem with most horror, like when horror franchises, they get so many sequels, um, you got to explain things and you got to, like as the movies go on, like we get the full history of Freddy and how he became. And mm-hmm. once you start explaining all that stuff and going into the semantics of the dreams and all the powers and it loses some of the horror for me. Yeah. Like this, the Dream Master isn't really a horror movie. Mm-mm. It's... They start to become black comedies as they go. Like to me, it's more of like a. I mean, I guess it's horror in terms of it's a. It's still a slasher movie. Yeah. But it's not really scary. Yeah. Like all the kills are in broad daylight. Everything yeah. is very lit. Yeah. Um, you know, in the first movie, Freddy's like in the shadows. You don't even see his face. He's just kind of slinking around and like. So. And again, I think what makes you want to root for people is not like when they gain these like superpowers is when they're like smart enough to outwit right this like supernatural force and able to stay alive 
with all the odds stacked against them in kind of that's why the third way the third movie the way that ends it's like oh yeah that makes sense and it's something doable and it's grounded in something that's why once you get into like all of these like more sci-fi fantasy things i'm like you're losing well i think that's why too that the series kind of loses gas yeah with each subsequent film um especially by the time they get to freddy's dead it's like we are out of ideas yeah all that aside, the only like really redeeming factor for me in this movie is that I will say that Alice, like by the end, she does like come into her own in like the last half hour when she like fights Freddy and stuff. That's all really cool. She really like owns it. But up until that point, up until when she like realizes like what she can do, like girlfriend is slow on the pickup of like <laughs> <laughs> on like the rules of the world and she just like through like all of the deaths of like other people she kind of is like this bystander like she doesn't really try and like do anything right. to like help anyone like there's a scene where it might be the first uh the classroom scene is that the first like friend who gets killed from yeah, her group Sheila Sheila Wanna suck face? That was also like not, great kill. That dream is like weird, and it's in daylight, and it's kind of yeah, it's it's yeah. funny, it's not yeah. scary. So when they're doing that, like literally, Alice is just like sitting there, like watching it happen, right. like sh- like nothing. Which is, is frustrating going on. to watch it's her so, protagonist. Exactly. Yeah. So it's just. And she's like that for most of the film. So to have to go from someone like Kristen, who was like built up to be this really cool character, to like right. hand it over to Alice, was just like super disappointing. Um, and yeah. Plus, I feel like in in the third film, like Kristen is a strong character, but she like doesn't know how to tap into that quite yet in the beginning of the film. Whereas mm-hmm. I feel like Alice. Her character arc basically just comes from her acquiring the dream powers. Like, she doesn't become this badass, strong character on her own. It's more of, now I have their dream powers, so thus now I am this strong character. And I think that's... And it's kind of like, once she has those powers, it's like she, like, wakes up and it's like, oh, yeah, like, this sucks. I'm gonna, like, do something. Yeah, I'm gonna finally (laughs) do something. Everyone's dead. I'm gonna finally do something about this. Yeah, that's the frustrating part. Um... So the ending is like a little redeeming in the fight scene, although the way that Freddy dies is so stupid. She takes a broken mirror, and I don't know where this like idea comes from. Of like someone says it to her, or I forget how this. Like, I think they originates. say it earlier in the movie, like when evil sees itself, or something like that. Something there's some kind of line that comes up when evil sees itself. It like yeah. dies or disappears or whatever. So that's what she does. She like takes his like broken mirror and like shows Freddy his face and then he like dies. <laughs> well, all the souls of the children reach out of him and which is a, it's a cool death scene. Which is great. See all the arms coming out of him and grabbing his head and like ripping his head open. E- great stuff. Cool. So the effects of it. Was it this movie? But the actual like logistics that led to that are stupid. Like Okay. All that stuff, you, you got to admit, though, that this has some of the best dream kill sequences. And I think that's why it's a fan favorite. No. Because it has so many good kills in it. No. Yes. They're like, when he kills Joey in the- They're in cheesy. The, it's like cheesy and hokey. It's like a comedy thing. But they're fun thing. to it's watch. Not... They're fun. Like like when Joey gets killed in the waterbed, how's this for a wet dream? I mean, that's a great scene. I 
I, but like, I can understand that. Cause like your big thing when you're watching it is like the kills, like how they're done, how cool they That's are. That's part of, yeah. That's like part of your enjoyment. Me, all the other stuff that we've talked about was so distracting that like I couldn't get into it. Into like the kills. that wasn't like enough to redeem the film for me. Cause I'm not watching it for, as someone who's not really a horror fan, who's not really like into stuff like that, I'm not watching it for these like kill scenes. I'm watching it because I want to like the protagonist. I want, you know, there to be this arc of like how you're going to figure out how to get rid of this problem. And like, sure, some of those scenes are cool and it adds to it, but like mostly it's just like, yeah, it's not enough. It's and, just... I, and that's definitely the thing with these later movies. They kind of more go down the Friday the 13th route. Whereas like the Friday the 13th movies, like you don't really care about the characters. You just want to see all of them get killed. Yeah. That's kind of like how I, that's I'm, how I am with this movie. Like I, want I just to want to like, see everyone get killed. I want to like who I'm watching though. But even if they die, I want to feel bad about sure. it. Sure. <laughs> so that kind of wraps that up for me. What about the kill? What about when the girl uh, she be- turns into a bug and she's lifting oh, weights? That, that is one of the that, that was the only kill that you like cringed that, that you was, had to turn away. I will say that that in in the movie that was like the one part that like I couldn't watch. I so cool. I had to turn away for that. No pain, um, no gain. But out of all the movies, this was one where I genuinely considered not finishing with you. Wow. Of all of them, I this the is only the eighty seven minutes. The next one was a little tough as well, but this one I was like, turn it off. I was the like, fact, I, I can't get it. The fact it. that you like the fifth movie more than the fourth movie I just don't blows understand. my mind. Just blows my mind. I don't understand how you can say that you really enjoy this and that it's like up there in terms of your favorites. And to me, it's because it's a, I think it's fun. It's is a fun it, movie. The, is it the, literally the, only because of those dream sequences that puts yes, it up there for you? Because the dream sequences are fun and the one-liners are great. So you agree with me that it's a shitty movie in uh, all other areas. Which I think shitty, discussed. I think shitty is a harsh word. It's shitty. I would, there's another word I can't think of, but I'm sure there's a <laughs> word that you could describe. Terrible. Mediocre. Awful. Mediocre. <laughs> The characters and the the character development and the the kids in this one are it's, subpar. It's all terrible. But it's redeemed by the great kills and the exciting dream sequences, mm-hmm. which is my argument for why the fifth movie sucks because the kids are also not very compelling, but then all the dream sequences are pretty lame in the fifth one. That's to me what makes the fifth one mm-hmm. way worse. But we should probably put a pin in this because we're gonna discuss that next time. We'll discuss that next time. I have some strong feelings about the fifth one as well. <laughs> <laughs> Remember when you said we were gonna record all these in one episode, and I was like, "This is gonna be a two-parter." Well, we had like a we talked about it for other things in the beginning, and that's why this turned into sure. a long podcast. Well, no, we're at an hour twelve right now. Well, probably not to those listening. I'm going to edit this, so you're not at an hour. We're not. 12. None of this. But we've gonna, been recording. None for an of hour this. 12. What we're saying right now is going to be. Why not? This is the. It doesn't need to. This, this is, is our banter, though. This is my point. Is this that is all our this, actually, this? This chatter doesn't need to be in. People love this. They come for the the People... interesting topics, but they stay for us. Sure. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> um, all right. Any other? Let me look at my notes here. Oh yeah. I uh, I don't know what did I write. Oh, I here? wrote a lot of things. I just wrote mostly how I didn't like it. But uh, the which one? The fifth one or the fourth one? Fourth one. Oh, did you mention any of the things that? Uh, I think I covered it all. Oh, okay. Yeah. Buh, 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 buh. Yep. Yep. Okay. So we'll just, about 
That about sums it up. We'll <laughs> end it here. So this will be, I guess, Nightmare on Elm Street 1 through 4. Yep. And then, and then we'll, then do, we'll do 5 through 8. Yep. So, okay, that's a good even split. Though I don't know if we'll have a lot to say. Well, we said that about this one. <laughs> Earlier, you're like, well, we'll do each one in a couple minutes and move on to the next well, one. Well, because when I wrote down, that was before I wrote down my, like, points that stood out for each of the movies, too. Uh, so, yeah, maybe I underestimate it. That's okay. Okay. Yeah. Well. Well, I guess that's it for this that's week. It. We'll Cue pick this up. the outro music. Cue the outro music. I forgot the outro music. It's something like, and then there's. <laughs> it's awful. We got to change it. No, I love it. it. All right. That's it. Cue the outro right. music. Let's go have dinner. Okay. Let, well, let's go watch Bachelorette. Yeah, but first dinner. Yeah. There's a half bottle of chilled white wine in the fridge. Ooh, yeah. Our names on it. Yeah, let's do so. it. Okay. All right. Uh, Till next time. Till next time. Bye.